Before we dive into our scripture, I do want to remind you that if you wish to support the ministries of this podcast or of the local church that I am serving, um, you may make any donations to Henry's Chapel, UMC, and send that to 563 East Main Street, Philadelphia, Mississippi, 39350. This morning we will be looking at the book of Exodus in the 33rd chapter. Um, We'll actually begin reading in verse 17. But the build-up to what's happening in verse 17 is that, is that Moses is with the Israelites, and they've built a tent for meeting that's kind of set off away from their camp. And if you're inquiring of the Lord, you go to this tent. And, and when Moses enters this tent, many times a pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance, and that symbolized to the people that Moses and God were in, in there, and they were in, having a relationship and, and having a very a very close relationship, as we hear in verse 11, the Lord used to speak to Moses face-to-face as one speaks to a friend. And it's in the middle of one of these conversations with Moses and God that we enter today's scripture. Uh, the conversation has been focused on the future, on the fact that God has told Moses to lead the people into Canaan, and Moses is focused on the how and on the plans and, 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 on, and on the what of the future. And then we hear this question in verse 17 and 18, uh, we kind of enter into this conversation with the Lord and the Lord says to Moses, I will do anything. I'll do the very thing that you have asked for you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. So Moses decides to ask a question a request rather. And he shows, and he says in verse 18, show me your glory. I pray. Now, if you, if you know verse 11, where you hear that Moses is, and the Lord have been having face-to-face conversation and speaking as, as a friend, then this question is baffling. Uh, I mean, you're speaking to God as a friend, but now you're saying, reveal to me your glory. And in, in this moment, this question can also convict us. While, yes, I'm baffled by what is going on, I'm also convicted by how often I find myself continually asking for more from God. That God has, has longed to be in a relationship with me and I'm asking for more. And I'm forgetting to take in a moment and to rejoice in the fact that I am in a relationship with God. That, that in my time of prayer, I'm saying, God, give me, give me, give me. And I'm not rejoicing in the fact that, God, I'm in your, in your presence. I'm forgetting to take that moment, forgetting to rejoice at how God is at work in that moment and within me, in that place and time. And I've been very convicted about that as I look back over this past year of how many times in 2020 that I've found myself praying, Lord, just let this year be over. Let this pandemic be over. Let us all, God, I just need to, we just need to be done. Can we just move forward from where we are? And, and, and we've become, I've become a, a, somebody that is seeking what is next, a what's next type person, that next step, that next three steps. And this idea of looking in the future, I, I wish I could say I didn't know where it came from, but for so many of us, myself included, it, it, it's been from the beginning of our faith because we came into faith in Jesus Christ as Christians in hopes of the future of the idea of heaven and what happens after life and seeking that presence in eternity. 
and, and this trans and it keeps going on in our lives because we we were brought into the faith believing that if we live with God and in God that everything is gumdrops and rainbows. So when we find ourselves in tumultuous times, we we look to how God is going to push or pull us through and we become so end focused that we lose sight of being present focused. We become so focused on God get us through this that we've become so that we do not see how God is working within this. And so in verse 19, we begin to hear God's response to Moses. And he said, I will make my all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim before you the name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to you, to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one shall see me and live. And the Lord continued, see, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put my put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I've passed by. And then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. And so God gives this answer in as God always does, when God speaks, we should listen. But our translation this morning, and, and whatever translation you may be find yourself reading, um, says that Moses could see his back, which is not necessarily the best translation, because a more accurate translation would be that Moses really caught no sight of the quote unquote body of God, but that he had see, but he was able to see the place where God just was. And how often is this our experience with God? That that in the busyness of our life, we're not able, we're not willing to see God's presence. But when we look back over our day, we see God's presence so much easier. We see where God was, but we were not able to see God at work in the moment. And I believe that God's response is a calling for us to do and to live and to embrace the moment, the present, which is a gift for us. Or as the old quote says, the clock is running, make the most of today. Time waits for no man. Yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. And that's why it is called the presence, or the present. And I fear that we have lost the art, myself included, of living in the moment, of living in the present. Uh, me and Chris were were sitting talking the other day, and and a, a woman showed up for the census, and we were talking with her about how she was from Iowa, and she began talking about how she missed the snow, and she and she embraced this idea that every time the snow fell, what she loved the most about it was that it was, a, it was a moment that no one had ever seen before. Because if each snowflake is different, it was not only the fact that the, that the snow was untouched, but that every snowflake was different, that no one had seen this before. And this is how we should embrace the moment. But, but one of the hardest things in life is to, be, is to live in the moment. Uh, my life, as I look back on it, I feel that it has. I've lived a life of missed moments so often because I've been so focused, as we talked about earlier, on the what's happening next, on the on the end goal, on where we're going, and we we get so caught on the destination that we lose sight of the beauty of the trip. 
I mean, I, I heard it said one time, and it's, and it's a little dark, but that, that over the course of your life, you will eat your best meal, you'll have your best respo response to a, a retort, You're, you'll have your best kiss, you'll, you'll take your best drive, you'll have the, your best sleep. But will you notice in the moment? One of my friends posted on Facebook recently that at some point in your childhood, you and your friends went outside to play together for the last time and nobody knew it. And while, yes, I know this sounds negative and a bit sad even, I hope that it ignites within us a desire to never miss another moment. Because one of the hardest things is to be present in the moment, to embrace the moment, to inhabit a moment. And the reasons that this can happen, uh, there's many of them. One maybe that we're not fully present. Um, English historian and, world, and one of the world's greatest historians of Nazi Germany, Ian Kershaw, once talked about how he was in Berlin at the fall of the wall, but that he admitted to missing the whole thing because he was discussing a doctoral thesis with a student in a pub. Barely a mile away from where it was happening, he was not fully present in what was going on because he was somewhere else. Or maybe we find ourselves chasing some other moment. Maybe we find ourselves seeking a wow moment and not a woe moment. And, and, and I've heard this explained through a podcast that I listened to called Napkin Scribbles. And in it, Leonard Sweet looks at Isaiah chapter 6. And in chapter 6, we hear this. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And then Isaiah said, And if we hear this, I think we, if we were to give ourselves the image of, this, of what is happening here, we would say, Oh, well, he absolutely looks at this and goes, Wow, look at this moment that's going on. Look at what is happening. But that's not his response, because if you keep looking in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And this is a shift that, within the prophet Isaiah. Because after this, he does not go out and brag about his vision, but instead he tells the people to, to, that it's time to turn to God and that because of this moment that he was present in, he was able to see and hear what God desired for him in that moment. And he goes out telling the people to heal the sick, or to help the sick, rather, to, to the broken, the poor, and you see, so often I think that we find ourselves worshiping and serving, trying to do, and we lose sight that we worship and serve a God of every moment, a God of even missed moments, a God of every disappointment, a God of every predicament. 
Even in tumultuous times, we are called to seek God at work. You see, I think we often feel that if if we do not like what or enjoy what is going on, God can't be present in that. But this may be the woe that we need to hear. This may be that woe moment. The way that it wrenches our hearts towards the other, the way it awakens something within us to act, the way that we are called to change is that woe moment. But so often we are too busy searching for the wow and we miss or disregard the woe because we're seeking the wow and not woe moments. I personally believe that God is up to something today in the here and now, in, in this time of pandemic, of political and racial unrest, even in the midst of all this, there seems to be this, this hunger that we see ignited for God's presence. But, but maybe what we need to shift is our lens from looking for, for God to come and fix it, for, for, for looking for that wow moment, to how is it that God is at work in us to be the change? How is it that God is giving us a woe moment? A moment that makes us, as we look at what is going on in our world, go, woe is me. So often we are called to be present with God in a moment. And to share with others that presence, even in the woe moments. And the only moments we're willing to truly share is those wow moments. But what, what we're also called to share and embrace is how God is at work within the woe. The presence, and, we, and we're called to, to share that with others, the presence that we experience in that woe, the presence of peace, of love, of grace, of mercy, of joy, of forgiveness, of revelation. But we become so caught up in seeking the future things and the desires and seeking the wow that instead of being that presence of peace, love, grace, mercy, joy, forgiveness, and revelation in this world, we give up peace for anxiety. We give up love for hate of what is instead of and, and, and that desire for what should be. We give up grace for judgment of situations and of persons. We give up mercy for cruelty. We say, I can't extend mercy because of, of what is, and, and we know that it needs to be there, and so it causes us to not act out of mercy, but to act out of cruelty over how you should do or be better. We give up being the presence of joy because we, we find ourselves being a presence of sorrow of what is. And we give up forgiveness over hostility. We give up the revelation of how God is at work here, of how God is saying, whoa, of how God is calling us to say, whoa, is me, and to see the change that needs to happen in this world. But instead, we look outward and say, everyone else needs to change so that I can encounter my wow moment. So often we give up the presence of God in these moments because we are looking for a wow moment and we're not willing to embrace the woe. 
Because we find ourselves sitting with God and speaking as friend to friend, but instead of realizing that we are in the presence of God and how God is asking us to move and change and be present, we too often are asking for more. My prayer and my hope for us is that we, in the moment, people that are not always looking to the next, but are present, and that are willing to embrace the moment, even if it is not the wow moment that we desire, but that we are also willing to embrace the woe in our lives, to hear God's call for us in the woe, to hear God's desire for God's people, that we may be be able to bring about from those woe moments the wow. But this is only possible if we can learn to better be present in the moment. Amen and amen.